I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Reliance may have caught the baby fever, because according to the Economic Times, Reliance Retail is planning to buy actor Alia Bhatt's kidswear brand Ed Amama. And if this deal goes through, Reliance Brands, a subsidiary of Reliance Retail Ventures, would be acquiring Ed Amama for three hundred to three hundred and fifty crore rupees. This acquisition would be the second kids fashion brand in Reliance's portfolio, apart from UK-based maternity and kidswear franchise Mothercare. Which it won the rights to in 2018 by beating FirstCry.com. This deal could be a win-win for both the parties here, because you see, Edamama is currently valued at 150 crore rupees, and because it is a relatively affordable kidswear brand centered around environmental consciousness, it would be a fair gamble to take as it is more accessible to most buyers and is homegrown. It is also beneficial for the brand itself. As Bhatt had previously talked about venturing into the UAE and Europe, and the extra kick from Reliance could definitely help. Besides that, Reliance is seeing a golden opportunity in venturing into kidswear because the demand for children's clothes has been skyrocketing lately. According to a 2021 report by Mint, online orders for kids' clothes increased by 200 percent during the pandemic, with market share jumping from 3 percent to 17 percent. Even recent industry estimates indicate that the children's apparel market in India reached a whopping 21.1 billion dollars in 2022, and is projected to grow to 24.5 billion dollars by 2028. Additionally, S. Chandran from SP Retail Ventures highlights the surging demand for high-quality children's clothing. Parents are becoming more conscious of their choices, influenced by social media and brand visibility. And since kids outgrow their clothes so quickly, there's a constant need for new garments, and this has resulted in a bunch of homegrown kidswear brands bursting into the scene and making a name for themselves with their online presence. But relying solely on the online world isn't quite enough, so now they are aiming to expand by opening exclusive brand outlets or EBOs. Mini Club, for instance, anticipates higher revenue and wider reach through EBOs. While Hopscotch, a kids fashion brand by Hit the Mark, recently secured a significant twenty million dollar funding through Amazon. Add this to the various international brands such as United Colors of Benetton, Angel and Rocket, and H and M selling their products in India, and you've got a huge pool of players. So looks like both Reliance and Edamama's collaborative step into the scene is quite timely, as kidswear seems to be all the rage. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you read yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I am Farheen Khan, and this is the deep dive for 18th July 2023. This year in May, the renowned London-based international auction house Burnham's successfully sold Tipu Sultan's 18th-century bedchamber sword. To an unnamed buyer for a staggering equivalent of 143 crore rupees. FYI, this sword, as per Times of India, was also once held in possession of fugitive tycoon Vijay Malia. 
Meanwhile, Burnham's, the auction house that sold Tipu's sword, has reportedly a 32% bump in its overall sales in the first half of the year. The house made around $552 million auctioning off antique, collectible cars, paintings and jewellery. And as per an art market website, 2023 marks Bonham's best first half-year results ever in its history of 230 years. But in the world of auction houses, Bonham's this year stands as a singular exception, as all other major auctions across New York, London and Hong Kong are reporting a decline in sales from last year. Take world's leading auction house Christie's, for example. Last year, this British auction house made history by selling $8.4 billion worth of art and luxury goods, setting an all-time high for any auction house. But in the first half of this year, its overall sales have fallen by 23% from $3.2 billion in the first half of last year to $2.7 billion now. Christie's main rival American MNC Sotheby's has not released its first half sales figure. But if we believe research firm Arc Tactic, Sotheby's sales have also seen a drop of 7.8%. Another British auction house, Philips, has also recorded a significant 39% drop during the same time period. And this is truly intriguing. Why? Because the global market has seen auctioning of antique collectibles and art pieces at astonishing and frankly ridiculous prices, even in the midst of the pandemic. As journalist Kelly Crow noted for the Wall Street Journal, and I am reading it out, For years, the world's chief auction houses seemed impervious to volatile stock market swings, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and even historic inflation, end quote. So if the global auction houses managed to weather those tumultuous events and came out with their sheen intact, then what could have possibly happened in 2023? Well, a market correction and a supply shortage. To understand the economics of auctions, let's dive into its nitty-gritties. For auctions to achieve jaw-dropping sales, rare items such as Tipu Sultan's sword needs to enter the marketplace. However, as the WSG report points out, auction houses can't predict or control when collectors of these antique items will choose to sell their pricey possessions. In 2023, with the recession looming overhead, savvy collectors are hesitant to part with their cherished collection in an uncertain economy. They fear that their valued items may not fetch them the desired returns this year. Pretty sound reasoning, in my humble opinion. So this is the main reason why major global auction houses are facing a slump in sales this year. What about India though? Are Indians keen on buying collectibles and high-end art? Interestingly, Christie's, which had halted its auction business in India a few years ago, appears to be regaining confidence in the Indian market. As per business newsletter Mint, a remarkable 60% of the bidding activity in a global auction held in March this year originated from India. Mint suggests this surge is driven by the emergence of a new breed of Indian buyers who have a penchant for collecting luxury products. Christie's India Managing Director Sonal Singh, in an interview with the newspaper, reveals that there has been a noticeable shift in collecting habits, with individuals expanding their interests to include other art forms, such as maps, and indulging in luxury products like handbags, watches, wine, and old master paintings. Moreover, there is a notable rise in engagement from the younger buyers, with millennials accounting for 31% of all buyers this year, signaling a growing interest from younger generations. 
Singh further claims that the enthusiasm for high-end art is spreading beyond metropolitans to tier two cities such as Ahmedabad, Pune and Nagpur. Christie's expects more contemporary art to show up at Indian auctions. It is also expecting demand for the works of artists who were overlooked until now and categories such as 18th or 19th century paintings and miniature art. To understand what is happening in India right now with respect to the art market, we have with us Dinesh Narayanan, the co-founder and editor of The Signal. He explains what the new age Indian collectors are looking to buy in these auctions. Contemporary Indian art first saw a boom sometime between 2004 and 2008-2009, but it all came crashing down with the global financial crisis, a post-Lehman Brothers crash. The rise then was fueled by investment bankers, financial professionals. Uh, it was essentially the time when everybody was making fat bonuses, taking home huge salaries. Those were the go-go years of trading and deal-making. But after the crisis, the art market went into a shell for many, many years. It was only after like 2014-15 when it started reviving slightly. But even, even at that time, Indian modernists such as uh, Raza, Taib Mehta, Gaitonde, they, their works had demand uh, from traditional collectors and traditional collectors continued to buy these whenever they came into the market. And that also kept interest in Indian art alive. Uh, meanwhile, economies and businesses began to recover. At this time, a lot of money, um, especially venture capital and private equity money, flowed into technology, internet startups, which created wealth for entrepreneurs and professionals. Um, the new money largely went into luxury shopping until the pandemic happened, that is. Uh, so there were fast cars were selling, the Rolexes, the um, luxury clothes, all of these uh, these markets were booming. But that money slowly started trickling into art market as well. But that really picked up during the pandemic, in fact. Um, because the pandemic had restricted people to their homes and homes became their worlds. And naturally, they wanted their world to look and feel the best. So there's no point in buying clothes at the time, right? So you had nowhere to go. So they bought art to hang on their walls. They bought sculptures to keep in the corner of the room. But all of that again crashed when the second wave of uh, COVID happened, the Delta wave, which created widespread death and destruction. So that is a period when uh, the art market again uh, went down. But now, since then, post-COVID recovery, luxury home sales have rebounded quite a bit. And that is new home buyers. They want to do up their houses. And paintings are some of the best things to hang on your walls. So if you look at the market today, the artworks selling between 2 lakhs and 10 lakhs are much in demand. And that is the, the new collector, the new age collector, young collectors. They are now looking for fine art, contemporary art, and that is fueling the boom. And that's what Christie's also says that, you know, they're seeing an uptick in the contemporary Indian art market. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. 
so feel free to shoot an email at hello at the signal.co the signal daily is produced in association with ivm the episode was written and researched by anup and sneha edited by somya gupta and dinesh narayanan produced by manaswini mastered and mixed by manas and nirvan you can catch this podcast every morning on spotify apple amazon prime music google podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts we are the signal.co on instagram linkedin and twitter